Today I want to talk about some personal experiences I've had in life, applying the scriptures to them, the way the Lord told me and taught me to deal with some of these experiences. And the main one that is on my mind today is the whole issue of being healed emotionally after we have been rejected, hurt, abused, whatever, by somebody, generally by someone who's close to us, somebody that we didn't expect it from. And so a little bit of a personal journey, first of all. When I was in um, uh, grade nine, the um, fellows that were in that class with me were a, a kind of a gang of guys, not a violent gang, just hung out together, but they stuck together. And one of them took it upon himself to pick on me and my buddy, the guy that I had gone through elementary school with for some of my years. We were in that class together. And it wasn't really serious. I never get beat up or anything like that. But there's always, you know, shoving your books off the desk or, or poking in the ribs or threatening they're going to get me in a corner and beat the tar out of me. And so I used to get quite frightened. If I were to take them on by myself, I might have been able to punch them out a bit. I don't know. We were about the same size. But he had this gang of guys that I'm sure he could call on. And so I went through grade nine with this thing hanging over me that um, any moment I could get a jab in the back or my books would be, be knocked out of my hands or shoved off my desk. And I, I received a lot of, of woundedness, hurt, um, because I didn't know what to do about it. I shared it with my parents one time, and of course, what can they do about it? And so after grade nine, that stopped, even though the next year he was in the same grade, the gang had been broken up, the, the school realized they needed to do that, and he was a totally different guy. And so that was one experience, but the one that really almost did me in was in the first years of our ministry, Jacobsville Ministries. Um, there was a person that, I'm not sure what the motivation was, but his desire was to make our ministry look bad, uh, make me look bad, uh, because he was desirous for selfish reasons, I guess, to um, kind of put me in a bad line. The things he said, and sometimes publicly, sometimes to other people that were close to us, really hurt deep. I didn't handle the situation well either. I don't, I don't claim a, a righteous attitude towards it because I used to verbally fight back with them once in a while. And I'm thankful for a third fella who was there to kind of mediate and bring us down. But it was really a dumb thing that was going on. So he eventually was out of my life. But after about 10, 12 years, I began to realize that the woundedness that I'd received from that experience was still affecting my life. 
And even though in our ministry I was involved in counseling and often hearing people talk about the rejection they'd been through, and I would simply have the answer for them, well, you just have to forgive, and that's when you're healed. And in my mind, I'm saying to myself, well, I've forgiven that guy way back then, but I'm not healed, but I don't know what else to tell them to do. And most of the books on counseling, that's what they say to do, just keep forgiving. And I had kept forgiving. I was telling people to keep forgiving, and it never seemed to work. Somebody mentioned his name, or the thought of his name come to my mind, something would crank up inside of me, and I would feel the hurt from what we'd been through years before. And so I went through this for a number of years. It affected my sleep at night. I often woke up, uh, not necessarily nightmares, but thinking about it because it was um, something God wanted to deal with. But I assumed I have the answer of just keep forgiving him, and eventually it would go away. Um, the world teaches if um, you keep forgiving, um, you'll be healed. I felt the very opposite. The more I thought about it, the worse it seemed to get. And so I'm frustrated. I'm tired of giving people counsel. That's not working for me. But you have to do what the books say. And so that's what I kept on doing. One day I'm spending a day with the Lord at a, and I was in the um, seminar room of our ministry and, and God started speaking to me. And he started to remind me of some things that I, I never thought that it was important to do these things. One is love your enemies. And the other is bless those that persecute you. Pray for those that persecute you. Love your enemies. And I start thinking about this. I hadn't done that. These people, in a sense, were my enemies, especially the guy in the ministry, because it had really settled into my heart, and I could not get rid of it. And one, that one day, in that seminar room by myself, I began to realize I have to do what the Bible says. I, it's not just, you just don't read it and say, that's nice. You need to read it and say, that's something I have to do. And there's quite a bit of stuff in the New Testament especially that tells us what we're supposed to do about different situations. And for some reason in the body of Christ, I was one of them. I just assumed that if I read it, then it should work. But I had to do it. And one of the passages of Scripture that, that um, is important right now is where Jesus, at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, in um, Matthew chapter 7, he said there's two men. One built his house on the rock, one built it on the sand. And you see, the guy that built on the rock, he represented a Christian who reads the Word of God and actually puts it into practice. He does it. 
He says it. He declares it. He proclaims it, whatever's required. The guy that builds his house in the sand, he's the guy that hears the word of God, but he doesn't do anything about it. He just assumed because it's written there, it should work. And so I had to go into that place in that afternoon of saying, Lord, I want to bless this guy. And I realized I was so full of bitterness, I couldn't get my mouth to open properly to say it. I was so full of bitterness. Finally, I was able to say, Lord, please bless, and I used his name, please bless him, but my teeth were clenched. I couldn't get them open. So I said it a few times that way, and then my mouth started to relax, and I could say, Lord, just bless him. And I started saying, Lord, bless his wife and his children, and bless his home, bless his vehicles, bless his ducks and chickens. I didn't know what all. And so... Then I had to pray love for him. Now, most of us, I wouldn't, don't have love for our enemies. We don't naturally have a love in our heart for enemies. So we have to ask the Lord for love for them. He is the source of love, and so therefore, it's logical that we ask him. And so I begin to say, Lord, please fill my heart with love. Again, call them by name. Again, my teeth were clenched. I'm not exaggerating. And I took a few minutes to get my mouth to operate freely to pray for love for him. I would say, th I ended up saying things such as, Lord, if I ever run into this guy, I want to be able to love him just as if he'd never done anything wrong to me. And so on. So, and through that, I began to realize that I hadn't responded to him right. And in part of my loving him, I was asking the Lord to forgive me. As a matter of fact, around that same time, I knew where the guy was. I wrote him a letter asking him to forgive me because my responses to him were not Christ-like. I didn't say, if you, had, if you hadn't done this, I wouldn't have done that. You're justifying when you do that. But I repented and asked him to forgive me. Now, in order to help me understand, the Lord gave me an object lesson one day. My wife, Margaret, was um, working at the counter in the kitchen, and with the sleeve of her house coat or whatever she's wearing, she pulled a butcher knife off the counter, not knowing what she was doing. The knife fell and um, went in between her big toe and the next toe, and made it bleed quite badly. She called me. I was up in the office. I come down, and she has footprints around the kitchen floor by now. So we wrapped it up a bit. I took her to emerge, and there they stitched it up. A young man who was a doctor stitched it up for her, and then he said something that I shall never forget. He said, Two or three times a day, rub this salve, and he gave her a tube of salve, rub this salve over the wound, over the stitches, and this is what he said. The salve is to keep the infections out. And that stuck with me. And so 
One day I'm thinking through this whole thing of how I had been, I felt healing because of my um, blessing this guy and praying for love for him and the way I worked it, and this is important that you understand this, I had to, to take the thoughts that wanted to come into my mind again and reopen that wound. I had to take them captive. Second Corinthians 10.5 makes it very clear. We have to take them captive. And I started to learn how to do that. When you start getting those thoughts, if you tell your mouth, mouth, you have to declare what is right, I would start to bless the guy and I would start to pray for love for him and those thoughts would stop coming. In other words, if I had let those thoughts roam around in my mind again, it's almost like pecking the stitches out. And it's, I said, that's dumb because in a physical wound, if I, am, I start pecking the stitches out of a physical wound, the infections are going to get in. And, and whenever I realized that if somebody said to me, how are, how are you getting along with so-and-so? If I said, well, yes, he really hurt me. I, it was like you're opening up that wound, picking the stitches out and opening up that wound again. And you see, some of the teachings today say that we should be, we should be um, um, every time we get together with a counselor or a sensitivity group, we should just bear out everything that happened to us. And yet I experienced that every time I do that, all I was doing was opening the old wound. And every time you open a wound, it takes longer to heal. And so I stopped doing it. I refused to talk to people about it. I, would, I could say things, well, I've forgiven, and I know the Lord's forgiven him. It's all over. I wouldn't let it go. When the thoughts would start to come, I would start to pray blessing on the guy, and I would start to pray for love for him. And so out of that experience of what my wife went through, I began to take that, and I start to say, whenever, whenever there's um, a thought coming or whenever there's somebody wants to talk about it, about the past, I'm going to keep the stitches in because if I've forgiven, that means I should forget about it. When God forgives us, he remembers it no more. I need to have the same type of forgiveness. I'm not going to talk about it anymore. Yes, I do remember it, but I don't talk about it anymore. And um, then I begin to relate that the, um, the salve, that he gave my wife. Rub that on. Well, see, that to me was when I would start praying blessing and I would start praying for love. I was not only keeping the stitches in by not going in there thinking, but now I was keeping the infection out. See, the doctor didn't say to my wife, this salve will bring healing. What he was saying was, it will keep the infections out. So in my emotional he healing that I needed, what was happening was, when I would pray blessing and pray for love on this guy, it was like rubbing the salve on it 
to keep out the infections. Now here are the infections of the emotional wound. Can be because of unforgiveness or because of going back through it again and rehearsing in your mind all the terrible things that happened to you. You take them captive by declaring before God, I bless that person, Lord. Bless everything they do. Bless their job today. Bless their home. Bless their family. And, and Lord, if I ever run into that guy in the mall or wherever, I want to be able to love them just as if they'd never hurt me because that's the way Jesus loves me. And so I begin to realize that by blessing and loving them, not allowing my mind to rehearse what had happened, the Lord was healing me. In the physical wound, that salve kept the infection out so your physical body could heal the wound. In the spiritual realm, my emotions were healed because Jesus died in the cross by his wounds. We are healed in 1 Peter. We've used that verse in 1 Peter, which Peter got from Isaiah, by the way. Um, we use it for physical healing. By his wounds we're healed. But you see, it applies as well to emotional healing. The um, truth of it is, the, the pretty well the whole book of 1 Peter has to do with the injustice that we go through, the hurt we go through, and how we're supposed to respond to it. And so in that passage of scripture of injustice, that we will be treated unjustly, Jesus even prophesied that. I know that if I pray blessing on the person, and if I pray for love for them, then the Lord can heal me. The love and the blessing is to keep out the infections, bitterness, resentment, hatred, vengeance, all those things that happen as a result of being wounded and not being healed. And so in my life of, um, uh, of being rejected, of being um, hurt by somebody that I, that I respected at a certain time, the Lord brought healing. I can honestly say now, it's been many years later, um, I've seen that person since, run into them, talk with them, uh, and there's no uh, in there, there's no pain in there as there was many times before. As a matter of fact, a little, a little story. One Sunday evening, shortly after that, I said to my wife, let's go to, um, I'd met a pastor in town who had started a church about a year before and he was meeting at a hotel. And so I said, let's go and see. He had a Sunday evening service, see how it's going. And so we went there, we sat um, just behind. There was a large, maybe 50, 60 people near the front. We sat behind them and there had to be about 200 chairs out because they met their Sunday morning as well. And um, so we were singing our songs and when, um, when we're done singing, the pastor said, now before you sit down, just turn around and give somebody a hug before you sit. Well, I didn't think anybody was behind us, but I turned anyway, and sure enough, this guy we're talking about was directly behind me. He could have sat anywhere else in that auditorium. 
There's 150 empty seats. He sat right behind me. And without thinking, I wrapped my arms around him, called him by name, and said, it's good to see you. Now, on the way home, I said to Margaret, I know God arranged that. He was a visitor there. I was a visitor there. He sat directly behind me. And um, God allowed that to happen to show me that I'm healed. Because I couldn't have done that without thinking, hugging him, calling him by name, saying it's good to see if I wasn't healed. I probably would have went shake hands or something. And so my experience with emotional woundedness is to do what the Bible says. You know, in Matthew chapter, chapter 6, he's talking here about the um, uh, Lord's Prayer. And he says, For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive you your sins. I take that seriously now. I see it more seriously than I've ever seen it after my experience because I want to be forgiven. We're not going to get to heaven if we don't forgive people that have hurt us. And we're going to keep getting hurt if we don't get healed because people that walk around wounded generally end up hurting other people or assuming they're going to be hurt so you respond to them in a different way because you're protecting yourself from being hurt. You need to realize that God, God's answer to woundedness was dealt with at the cross. He died on the cross to heal physical but also emotional wounds. And I'm convinced that's what Peter was talking about in 1 Peter. He wanted to get the message across that Jesus is willing to heal our emotional wounds. He wants to. And you see, if I don't do what the Word of God says, it says to take thoughts captive in 2 Corinthians 10.5, tear down imaginations, take those thoughts captive. If I don't do that, I'm being disobedient, and it costs me. And if I don't bless the people, and if I don't pray for love for them, I'm being disobedient to the word, but it's costing me. Because the Bible says a number of times, the Old Testament, New Testament, it says to us that the commandments that the Lord gave us, such as blessing your name, are for our benefit. That was for my benefit that I learned that day to pray for a blessing for him, keep on praying for a number of weeks until the thoughts didn't come anymore. When the thoughts stop, stop coming, that's when I know I'm healed. And so unless I do what the Lord says, I'm not just living in disobedience against him, I'm hurting myself. I, again, I say to you, the Bible says the law are for our benefit. Another way Jesus said it, and the Old Testament says it, that it may be well with you. If you obey me, walk in obedience to me, says the Lord, so that it will be well with you. We often take the commands of the scripture, oh, why do I live under the bondage of this stuff? We need to recognize the commands are there for our benefit. 
So let me just encourage you at the very end. You need to repent of your attitude towards the person who hurt you. You need to repent of not blessing them. You need to repent of not praying for love for them. You need to repent of anything you may have done in retaliation or vengeance against them. Ask God, God to forgive you so that you can be free from that of your sin and then continue to bless and love until you know it's resolved and you know you're healed. Because the Lord went to the cross, died for our sins, blood poured out of his veins, his body was beaten so that we can be healed. Father, I pray for everyone who's heard this that's struggling with rejection pain and the healing load that's needed. Please, my Father, pour your spirit on them now with understanding that there is a walk that they have to walk in order for the healing to come to their bodies. We thank you, my Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. visit our website at jwmi.ca to find out about more information of our ministry.